I was excited. Um, you know, an uh, end in Oakland and a new beginning in Toronto. I've always enjoyed coming here uh, on the road. I've always thought it was a really fun ballpark to play at. Uh, the city's been amazing. The fans are passionate. So, And obviously this team is special. Um, this team has a lot of great talent on it. And I'm just so happy to be a part of it and be able to come in and help this team you know, compete for a World Series. All right, Blue Jays fans just made it here to Dunedin, ready to meet my teammates tomorrow and get to work. So excited to be a part of this organization. Going to be a big year. All right, that is the newest member of the Toronto Blue Jays, Matt Chapman, um, who's active on social media and, uh, as you can tell, is uh, really excited to be a member of the Toronto Blue Jays. It was interesting watching his media availability a little earlier. And you do enough of these things, Kevin Barker, and... uh, I mean, you could tell when guys are kind of... I mean, th- there's a couple of reactions after trades when when players meet the media in the new city. There, there's an element of shell shock. I don't, I don't care how prepared you are, how prepared your family is. You, you know, spend a lot of time in one organization. You become rooted in that organization. Everything's familiar. Spring training's familiar. You've got the same places to eat, the same places to stay. All of those things, and then you find yourself moved into a completely different environment. And for Matt Chapman, that means spring training in Florida as opposed to Arizona. You can tell when a guy arrives at his team and there's still the element of shell shock. You can really tell when a guy's not overly thrilled with the deal. Trust me, I have someone who's someone who covered the Montreal Expos a lot of. I remember a lot of guys being not real happy, uh, or at least shall we say, uh, having little difficulty controlling their uh, their excitement in being added to the team but Kevin you really do get the sense that Matt Chapman uh, Matt Chapman knows what he's getting into here and absolutely loves what he's getting into here yeah why wouldn't he you know he, he's playing with some of the best baseball players on planet earth uh, look you know you you on paper look at what the blue jays have to offer and you add matt chapman who you know some would say he's a defensive player first and then what he gets what he gives you offensively is only gravy now you know he's coming to smaller ballparks and he's going to be sprinkled in this lineup maybe forgotten a little bit he's not asked to come here and carry a team just contribute offensively and do what you do defensively i i was here when he showed up in his car, I saw him get out of the car, and you could see it was the same way that I looked at this place. What? Are you kidding me? Like, this is for real? Like, all the things that I get to now come to and and, and be a part of and just the, all the fields and, and how big this place is, you could see it on his face, how excited he was. And, and you know, let's go Blue Jays out of his mouth, I think, was the, the, the second phrase. Yeah, how would you not be excited, Jeff? Like, it, it, you know, the front office is doing what they have to do to get this team, this organization, where it has to be from years to, for years to come. And then you look at the product on the field, even if you're Matt Chapman, and you look left to you, and the locks of the golden flow of hair, just it's, uh, man, I, I don't see how you can't be excited. Now the Jays will begin their Grapefruit League portion of the schedule or the Grapefruit League schedule today. They will be in Sarasota to take on the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, this is the lineup that Charlie Montoya will run out. Santiago Espinal's at second base. Bo Bichette's at short. Greg Bird's at first base. We haven't talked much about Greg Bird 
largely because he was acquired, or he, I, I think the Jays signed him, Kevin, the day before, the day, the day of the CBA uh, getting negotiated. Danny Jansen sitting clean up behind the plate. Josh Palacios is in right field. Want to talk about him in a minute. Jordan Groshans is at third base. Malik Smith is in center field. Otto Lopez is DHing. Nathan Lukes is in left field. Jose Barrios is on the mound for the Blue Jays. And you really don't care about the Baltimore Orioles lineup. Um, so, <laughs> what? That's rude. They're a well, big league true. team. Respect it. They're Respect them. Team. They may get Carlos Correa. Didn't you hear all that stuff on social media last night? I mean, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. If you're Carlos Correa, you know, look, I, I know he's trying to get paid, and and let's be honest, that's what it's. That's the first thing you're thinking of when you're a player of his caliber. But really, no. Like, somebody somebody you, said you want to go media. there for the next three years and lose 115 games. Yeah, I, somebody I said somebody said on social media they thought Carlos Correa would kind of seven would would sign a seven year contract with an opt out after the first year. And that first-year contract would be worth $45 million. I think they were just having some fun with that. Carlos Correa is still out there. There still are some available free agents. Uh, and, and I have no idea whether or not the Jays are, are in on anybody like Trevor Story or anything like that. There are still some available free agents out there. Carlos Correa, pretty much the bell of the ball right now. A lot of people seem to be under the assumption he'll go back to Houston on some sort of, uh, on some sort of mid-range, not, mid-range in terms of term contract certainly not mid-range in terms of money but uh we shall wait and see at this point carlos correa does not appear to be does not appear to be in a major hurry i I would think the market for him is drying up a bit but as we saw with uh as we saw with freddie freeman uh kevin barker you know i think uh, i think what happens is sometimes a free agent knows where he wants to go and he basically tells his agent, look, let's just do what we have to do to get there. And if that means we slow play it, you know, it, it, whatever, let's do that. Because a lot of people thought Freddie Freeman overplayed his hand, and clearly he didn't. He got the term that he wanted. He got close to the money he wanted, and he gets to do it with the L.A. Dodgers. So speaking of the Dodgers, Ned Coletti, Dodgers analyst, former Major League General Manager, will join us later on in the show. So I mentioned that is the Jays lineup. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you want to talk about regulars, Espinal, Bichette, uh, and uh, Barrios, of course, and Danny Jansen, Kevin Barker, those those are the regulars as we uh, as we get set for Grapefruit League, uh, for the Grapefruit League season. I would think you're probably going to see, you're probably gonna, going to see Bo Bichette, Santiago, Espinal, and Kevin Biggio. Probably, you're probably going to see two of those, you're going to see a lot of those 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 three players in Grapefruit League games because that is now at least it appears as if that's the new keystone combination and I would think you'd want you'd want Bo to get in as much work as you can with those guys in in real time. Yeah, it's not it's not going to hurt. Uh, you know they. they... Uh, Buck talked yesterday about how early they show up and do their their work before all the lights come on. Uh, they're familiar with each other. It's not going to take long. You know, you stand there, I'll stand here, catch the ball, and it's hit to you. Uh, you know, the 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 new rules at second base sort of eliminate all the communication and and you know the analytics on where guys are being put. And ninety five percent of the time, these these guys are you know the khakis are right where they're putting these defensive players. It's not going to take long. It's just now you're trying to get in the flow. You're trying to get rhythm and timing. You're trying to get. Action. 
accuracy on throws, just the little things that that get, will get you geared up for opening day. And and oh by the way, if you're the manager of Toronto Blue Jays, you don't want anybody to get hurt. That that's first and foremost. And I, I'll be looking at Barrios, tempo for Barrios. You know, Barrios is a, is a quick worker, getting it go, getting it go, mm-hmm. getting it go. That's the one thing I'll be looking for. Forget about what pitches he's throwing and how many strikes he's throwing, how many people's getting out. Now, obviously, him and Petey want to want to get some people out and, and gain some confidence when it comes to those things. But for me, it's about tempo. You know, is he on the same page with Danny? Danny's putting the right fingers down. It's not a ton of shaking off. Yeah, they're going to have a game plan going into this thing. They're going to have a plan on what pitches they're not going to use because that is a that is an in-conference team, right? You don't want to show your hand too much. You don't want to show what the, the breaking balls look like. But that, for me, will be the interesting thing is he's not going to go long, probably two innings, the tempo. Get it and go, get it and go, work off of that, and we're going to see the Barrios that we all want to see opening day. Uh, we should mention, by the way, that uh, we'll give you an idea of what our schedule is going to be like because uh, Sportsnet has announced its, uh, its spring training its spring training schedule, and uh, I'm just calling it up because it just arrived in my mailbox as we came on. So uh, bear with me as I do some quick, some quick scrolling. Um, but of course, the regular season opener is Friday night and uh, Friday, April 8th against the Texas Rangers. And uh, we will be on from 3 to 5 that day. Ennis and Brunt will be on from 5 to 7. And then, of course, the game will, uh, will start at 7 o'clock. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk all year, and we will be doing it immediately following the game, probably for an hour. I mean, it depends on when the game ends, depends on the clock, things of that nature. Um, and uh, I could tell you that we'll be doing, uh, or at least I'll be doing, I don't know, it depends on uh, on the logistics, I'll be doing a Blue Jays talk after Sunday's game, which will be on the radio as uh, uh, the Jays, uh, our, our spring training coverage well, continues. Well, you're not, you're not going to let me up. come on on Sunday? Well, I don't know if you're, I, you got stuff to do, man. You got stuff to do. I don't know. I mean that's rude. You didn't even ask me. You just kicked well, you me can. off already. Yeah. No. 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 I think the plan. The, the plan is. The plan is we're going to do Blue Jays. Blue Jays talk uh, after Sunday games during the Grapefruit League season. So there you go. That'll start. That'll start this week. I mean I don't know. I I I, I, I presumed you're coming on, but uh, you know I I, I, don't, I don't know these things. Well, I mean just let me know when I'm supposed to show up. Obviously you're the boss of this show. I well, I'm certainly not the boss well. of the show. Um, let's talk about Josh Palacios, Nathan Lukes. Now, uh, Ben Wagner pointed out Nathan Lukes a little earlier. For those of you, when we had him on the show, for those of you who don't know, I think he was like a seventh-round pick of the shock Cleveland Guardians in 2015. He's a lefty hitter. Josh Palacios, of course, we know has been part of the organization. He's also a lefty hitter. And Kevin, the only reason I'm mentioning those guys, and Greg Bird as well, is just signed. He's a lefty hitting first baseman. Uh, we've talked about the Jays' need for balance. We, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about how this roster isn't complete. We've talked about the possibility of somebody like a Ramel Tapia or, you know, I mean, the Jose Ramirez stuff is still going to be out there for a while. This is not a complete lineup, and certainly, certainly the bench isn't complete. And, and I'm wondering, Kevin, if there's a way, you know, if stuff dries up and the Jays are reasonably satisfied with what they have, I wonder if there's a way that one of these lefty-hitting outfielders 
couldn't force their way onto this roster as like, especially if the rosters are expanded coming out of spring training, it couldn't force their way on, on the roster as, as literally the last guy on the roster. I mean, I would assume if somebody had a, a had an issue injury wise, uh, I, I mean, I guess miracles happen. But when when the bell rings, you want your best, however many guys are allowed on your team to be on your team. Either one of those guys you mentioned screams contributing at the highest level. No offense, like we we've we we've seen. You know, I went back and looked at some video to a couple of those guys. Is the Blue Jays for me right now? No, again, no offense, are past these these kind of names and, and players. Every team organization needs depth. That they need those kind of guys in case some guys need to go down. But long periods of time, I, making teams out of spring training, I, <laughs> Jeff, I, I, that just for me, it's just not the way this organization's made up. Not the or, the way the organization uh, is headed right now. And you know, quite frankly, well, they keep have in mind there is a chance. I mean, there's a chance, Kevin, that they're not going to be able to get it to, to to address all their needs this spring. Like there, there, there is a chance. We know that they want what? to add okay, another bullpen arm. But what I'm saying is, if the rosters expand, at least at the start of the year, I think there's a chance that one of those guys makes the team. Again, not an everyday player, but you know, if you operate under the assumption you want a little bit of balance off the bench. I, I think there's a, I think there's a chance that one of those guys makes it. Again, I'm talking, I'm talking I, about the fifth outfielder. I'm not talking about somebody who's going to be in the in the the lineup. I would be shocked if they add an extra guy or are able to add an extra guy. It's not a bullpen arm. I'd be shocked. Like like to to say that you need a fifth outfielder on the Toronto Blue Jays right now when when you have enough outfielders who are fighting for playing time. I you know, Randall Gritchick, what was he going to do in the in the first half of the season, right? If everybody's healthy, you're scratching your head on where you're playing him, how many at-bats he's going to get. So to add another guy to the mix early in the season, I you, you can never have too much pitching. You know, you're hearing about the piggyback thing. That, for me, is, is where this is going to be won, is how do you use all the arms that you have and what arms you need to go out and get. And talking about fifth outfielders, I... I guess that wouldn't be for me. Wouldn't be the the choices that I would make because of where this team and this organization, like I just mentioned, is at. But you're very optimistic. I like it. You're optimistic. No, but I mean, I think no. Guys. All I'm saying is, and, it's the first Grapefruit League game of the year. This is a chance for these guys to to at least. Yeah, we know the organization likes Josh Palacios, or he wouldn't be around here. Um, and and uh, you know, I'm just saying, it's a chance right now for these guys to to make a bit of an impression. Uh, we're not again, we're not talking about the, the you know we're not we're not talking about guys that are going to be regular contributors but i'm just saying that that, that given that lineup right now um you know given the lineup they're running out today i i think there's a chance for these guys to at least to at least make a positive make a positive to, to further impression. to, to f- to further your point, it's maybe late in games you're pinch running for somebody who gets on base. Maybe they can go first to home when the guy that just hit and got on first can't do that. Maybe, maybe it's something like that. But big roles, fifth outfielders, uh, just because you're left-handed, you're being put on the team. Uh, for me, we've seen this last year. Ross Atkins is not afraid to get rid of people who aren't performing at the highest level. There's expectations here. Like you're seeing this. I'm right now watching – uh, who am I watching? I'm watching George Springer and Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. 
take I don't I can't see who the coach is but they're taking like little ground balls and running through balls and and there's no nonsense you can't hear them talking they're not laughing uh, they're not talking back and forth they're getting their work done that's and that's what I've seen here the, the days that I've been here you're seeing that attitude of okay we can have fun we can laugh but when it's time to get some work done like I'm watching right now it's just a different atmosphere here it's a, it's a it's a different level of expectations and and all these guys are buying into it uh, we mentioned that Matt Chapman met the Toronto media uh, today. He's obviously not in the lineup today. He just got in late yesterday afternoon. Uh, we spent a great yeah. deal of time talking with Dallas Braden about the impact that Matt Chapman will have on Bo Bichette. This is the best third baseman Bo Bichette's played beside in his major league career. Uh, he's also, it appears, if the roster goes the way it does, it's pretty much settled that Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio will be some sort of second base platoon. So Dallas Braden made a point about how Matt Chapman's ability to cover ground and, and, and his quickness and his understanding of the game helped turn Marcus Semien into a really good defensive shortstop. Um, this is what Marcus Semien told Matt Chapman his former teammate about Toronto. Lance, can you play the clip, please? He loved it. Um, you know, lo- talking to him last year a lot, he was telling me how much he enjoyed being here and, you know, all the facilities and things that he got to use here and in Toronto. He said it was, you know, off the charts. But also he called me and kind of gave me the rundown on everything and what to expect. And, you know, obviously playing in Canada, there's some differences than playing in, you know, the States. So I think uh, he gave me about as much of uh, an update on things as he could. And he just told me that I'm going to love it and I'm going to love the guys. And, you know, I can tell that he's already right. He also talked about, uh, in particular, about playing with Bo Bichette and the process the pair of them are going to have to go through in spring training, uh, trying to get to know each other. Can you play that, please, Lance? So for me, um, you know, I want to get to know Bo. I want to get to know, um, you know, what his strengths are, uh, you know, defensively and where he likes to play. And, you know, for me, being able to, you know, uh, cover a lot of ground over there at third, I I just want to help him out, you know. Hopefully uh, he doesn't have to take too many backhand plays, and I can just uh, help him out there. But, you know, I want to help him out as much as I can um, and just get to know, uh, you know, our communication. You know, uh, I'm sure as we play together we'll learn, uh, you know, where we want to play, what pitches come and how we want to do it. So uh, that stuff comes with time, but uh, it seems like it's going to be easy for us to get to know each other for sure. Now, Kevin, as someone who played first base, I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, We hear players talk about communication. We hear, especially infielders, talk about the importance of communication. Obviously, catcher and pitcher need communication. But you're looking right now at an infield, the season were to start today, of Matt Chapman, new guy, Bo Bichette, hasn't had a regular third baseman, throughout his career, the early days of his career. Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio at second base in some sort of platoon, and Vladdy at first base. Tell me about the importance of communication, and, and, and I'll ask you this, because I know that the shortstop, we like to consider him as being sort of the quarterback of the infield. Do you think on this team that they're going to take their cues from Matt Chapman? Uh, no, not really. Uh, Bo will be the, the quarterback of this team. It's just funny listening to Matt talk there. He's he's done some video work. He, he knows mm-hmm. that he mentioned that Bo and the and the backhand. That's been the issue with Bo. Is you know, I don't want to say issue, but it's been a a emphasis of 
early work because Bo, the backhand, the, the internal clock, uh, you know, the footwork when he does catch the ball, being around the baseball, the accuracy of the throw, is he overthrowing, is he lolly popping at the first base? So you can tell Matt's done his homework and had conversations. I'm sure Marcus Simeon's relayed that message also to him. Uh, look, if you're if you're a first baseman, it's real simple. Uh, it, it's the what does his throws look? Say typical ground ball. Ground ball, 17 hopper. 17 hoppers funny to third base. But let's say a, a four hopper to third baseman, slow runner. How's it look? Is it is it a is it a lollipop over there? Does it have a tail to it? Does it have a big hook to it? Does it have a fade to it? Uh, is he an accurate thrower uh, when, you know, there's a fast runner? Ball's hit, a couple of hoppers. He has to run in on the ball. How's it look? Where does he start the baseball at? How does the ball look coming out of his hand? How accurate is it? Uh, how prepared should I be on a ball in the dirt? I think it's first baseman, good first baseman. You should always be prepared. But these are things that Vladdy's going to have to learn. Uh, you know, how does the throws look? He knows how Bo looks. He knows how the other two guys at, at second base look. It's the Matt. I'm sure Vladdy's watched video. Video is the thing now. It, video keeps you from doing a lot of extra work because now you can see it, how it looks. All the things that I just mentioned is exactly what Vladdy's looking at. The speed of the runner, how's the throws look coming from Matt. And you take it from there. You're just – Matt Chapman has a name. You know, that's that's the first and foremost, oh, wow, it's Matt Chapman playing third base. Now you go over and, and all you're doing, if you're Vladdy, you're taking some early work with him. Let me see the throws. How are they looking? And, you know, how – you and you ask questions. When will you let it eat? When you let it eat, do you feel like you're accurate with it? It's just little questions. And, look, that's a, that's a two or three days of looking at those throws. They're big leaguers. They're elite big leaguers. They'll hit the ground running. Again, it'll be the Blue Jays and the Orioles this afternoon. The Jays will start their Grapefruit League schedule with Jose Barrios on the mound. The lineup, as we mentioned, Espinal, Bichette, Bird, Jansen, Palacios, Groshan, Smith, Lopez, and Lukes. Um, a reminder, by the way, that uh, starting Saturday, the Blue Jays games will be on the radio. They'll be live on the radio on Saturday and Sunday for the next three weekends. The rest of the games will be available streaming. Uh, online and as I mentioned we will have a Blue Jays talk post game after every game, every Sunday game every Sunday of the Grapefruit League season and then of course once the regular season rolls around uh, we will be doing it every night every day that the Blue Jays are playing and also the TV schedule is out I believe the next, I think starting Saturday there's 10 games in a row, 11 games in a row 12 games in a row, something like that on, uh, on Sportsnet so Check that out. Uh, I've sent out the information on social media, and I'm sure you'll be able to. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Uh, you talked about, or we talked about Jose Barrios, and we talked about expectations for him today in terms in, in terms of workload. You made it. I think the most salient point. One, I, I'm sure one of the things the Jays are going to be looking for with with Jose Jose Barrios is pace. Uh, early, and there, I don't think there's any concerns about his stuff or anything like that. Kevin, you mentioned, I don't know how much, you know, I don't know how much strategy goes into the goes in, necessarily goes into this this start for Jose Brios. But you want to get a good pace. You want to be in the same page as Danny Jansen. Do we have an idea yet? And I understand it's early days, but do we have an idea yet as to how the catching rotation, and I'm using that in air quotes, might shake out? Like clearly, Danny. Danny's the number one guy. We know that. But 
I, I would imagine that that Reese McGuire and or Alejandro Kirk, I would say Reese McGuire, uh, you know, they're going to have to catch at least one of the one of the one turn through the rotation. They're going to have to work at least one of those games. Do you have any idea yet what the pairings might be? Like, might me might we see Gossman and Reese McGuire? Do you think? Uh, well, look, yeah, I think so. I, you know, the rumblings, the the live VP that you're seeing, and and on field one, you you heard that pairing. Uh, I think a lot of that too has to do with with whether Kirk would be traded or not. And if you mm-hmm. start having him pairing up with starting pitchers, especially the guys that matter, you know, uh, he does it for three or four games. How would that affect that starting pitcher who's used to him, his fingers, his target, where he sets up, how quickly he sets up, all the things that go into having a good combination behind the plate and on the mound? It's. I think the main guys have their certain guys. Ryu, it would be Danny. Barrios looks like it's Danny. Gosman looks like it's uh, it's Reese McGuire. Uh, Alec Manoa seems like he he is in between. He, sometimes mm-hmm. I've heard Kirk. Sometimes I've heard Danny. Uh, sometimes I've heard Reese McGuire. I, it's maybe they're trying to figure out who they want and and and. You know, what would be the best pairing? Again, it's why is Danny Jansen in the big leagues? We talked about this last year when you're hitting a, a bucket and change because he puts the right fingers down. He calls a good game. It's comfortable. You know, you have to have a lot of trust. Maybe that's Alec is trying to find out who the trust guy is. But there's, there's some things to iron out, and that's what they're doing. But I'm sure the main guys already have their certain guys that they want to throw to. Uh, Ned Coletti is the former general manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers longtime Major League Baseball executive. He is also the Dodgers TV analyst. The Dodgers making a big splash a couple of days ago, signing Freddie Freeman. The lineup is obscene. That's the only that's the only, that's the only word to describe that that lineup. Uh, it was already really good. It's on a different level right now with Freddie Freeman. Uh, we'll talk to Ned Ned's worked big market teams. I mean, he's the Dodgers GM. Ned's given a big contract, some of the biggest contracts in baseball history. I want to talk to Ned about the balance, the fine line a general manager walks when they're adding players to a really good team. How do you go about sort of visualizing what that team is going to look like? How do you go about not stepping on the toes? This is a team that's won a World Series. How do you go about adding players and not gumming up the works, for want of a better phrase. We'll talk to Ned about that, and we'll talk to him about the challenges general managers face in the spring training, where because of the CBA, we're off to a late start. There's a compressed time frame. There's still a lot of free agents out there. There are still teams looking to make trades. What pressure does that put on the general manager, especially a general manager like Ross Atkins, whose team frankly, is in this to win the World Series. Ned Coletti is next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan, a reminder to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
Ben Wagner will have the call of Grapefruit League Baseball beginning tomorrow. Weekend games will be live on the radio. Weekday games will be available uh, streaming. Barker and myself will do the post game after Sunday games. And then, of course, once the regular season starts, we will be doing post game Blue Jays talk after every game. And yes, the calls are back. We will be taking your calls, getting your comments, following every Blue Jays game. And uh, Mr. Barker will fend off the difficult questions. I will handle the difficult callers. That's probably the best way to put it, right, Bark? I'll let you do the intellectual heavy lifting, heavy lifting, and I just kind of, I, I just kind of get the elbows out. As long as we can keep you nice, we'll be all good. I'll be fine. Just be nice. Be fine. Be fine. That's, That's me. Right? This is what I've wanted to do for a dozen years. So why would I be anything but? Now, I, I got to say, you know, it could be game, game, game three of the World Series, you know, when the Jays are in it against the Dodgers. I might, I could be a little tired, right? I mean, you never know. I never know. Um, Maybe a little tired at that point, but I'll, but I'll try to, I'll, I'll keep it together. They're going to win the World Series. You, you, you know they're going to win the World Series. It's going to be Jays and uh, Dodgers in the World Series. This year? The, this year. What year do you think? I don't, I don't make predictions a year ahead. Jays and Dodgers in the World Series ah. this year. I say win the American League East first, and then we'll have that conversation. Well, let's see what Ned Coletti thinks. He's a former general manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's now the Dodgers TV analyst. Actually, Ned, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put you on the spot before the first pitch the Jays are throwing their first Grapefruit League pitch on March 18th about who's going to the World Series. Don't worry about that. I, I was just kidding. But Ned, I, I will ask you this: the the, the Dodgers going to lose 40 games this year? <laughs> um, 40. Well, let me look through the schedule. Uh, <laughs> No, I, you know, they're, obviously they're going to be they are going to be tough, tough, tough to beat. You got that lineup. I mean, they lose Seager, so you got that little dynamic. But you get Freddie in there, and it's like a totally different situation again. You know, and I go back to it every year. You know, they know how to do it. They know how to pace themselves. They know how to win. They know how to you know to kind of sparse out the, the playing time and the innings. They are the best, and they continue to be the best. Uh, Kevin, let me just jump, jump Ned, in for a second here and ask a follow-up, Ned, just to, and then I'll toss it over to you. I mean, Ned, you, you've—I uh, mean, look—you've—you've you've given out big contracts. You've put together big teams with big personalities. Uh, the Dodgers are a great team. Freddie Freeman takes them over the top. We know Freddie Freeman's a great dude. Everything—he just is. So yep. it's not like Freddie Freeman's going to come in and upset the clubhouse. But is it possible to have too much? of everything in baseball? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would probably say no, because the season is so long, and there's so many there's so many things that you, you plan for that other stuff happens. It's just, it is a season like no other season because of the length of the season and the, um, the grind to it. So I think you, you you need too much. You you need more than you think you're going to need. And you know I started one season. I had seven starting pitchers, and everybody all spring kept saying, seven starting pitchers. You have far too much starting pitching." 
Well, about a week later, a pitcher pulled a hamstring cover at first base on a, on a drill. You know, somebody else gets, you know, gets an issue here or there, so you don't have enough. I think you need as many talented players as possible. And they have to understand, though, that, you know, most players say they don't want to play 162 games anyway. But they have to understand that this is going to be not a, a situation from 10 years ago where you're going to play X number of games. You know, you're going to play as much as you can play. A little bit different dynamic now. I think it helps when, uh, you know, you, if you think they have too much or a team has too much, they now also, from a position player standpoint, they have the DH. So you're going to have somebody getting four or five at best who wouldn't have got it before. So that that kind of takes a little bit uh, a little bit off the, the too much I think approach. But I think that you got to have as much as you can possibly have. Uh, Ned, Ned uh, what did this, I think you just answered my question a little bit when when the with the DH being added about the extra year for Freddie Freeman. Did that make it easier for a front office to go? Okay, we know he'll be 33 in September, but the DH is here. Maybe he can play. You know, we can work him in and out in first base to keep him where he needs to be offensively. But that with that DH, that makes it a lot easier to to suck up the extra year. You know, I I don't know what the thought process was, but that is. That is certainly a very live thought process right there, because it is different. And you know, you're not going to grind somebody out playing them every day in the field. You got you got a bunch of players you're going to give extra time to. You know, it'll probably help prolong uh, one of their best players, Justin Turner, who's probably their oldest player at this stage, position player, and somebody that uh, you know that needs a day here or there. Well, now he can continue to hit and not have to play every day. I think. I think the National League will will start to reap the benefit. Although I don't like the rule, you know, I, I had a crazy idea, but you know, earlier, but uh, I thought they should just get rid of the pitcher hitting all together and go one through eight. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it is what it is. You know, I mean, think right. about that. Think about getting no, rid of the pitcher I'm, I'm going one through eight. Uh-huh. You know, the, the, the best, from, extra, the best extra hitters are coming up earlier. and Bo. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't you rather see that if you're sitting up in Toronto? You know, but anyway, um, you know, I think it's, I think it, uh, it helps, and, and you know, knowing, you know, Freddie from a distance, and then you know, you have, everything you hear is, it's, it's so strong as to who he is, and he's coming home. You know, I mean, he's got a lot, a lot at stake here, a lot of pride, and certainly wants to do well here. It's, I think it's a great deal, and I don't think there was, there was a better choice for him. I don't think there was a better choice for the Dodgers. Ned, what? Ned, uh, go ahead, Kevin. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was go just going to ask Ned since we sort of got him on the topic here. Who closes for the Dodgers? That I think we'll wait to see. Um, you know, Blake Trinan uh, had a good, has been excellent for them. He's done it before. Um, I think that still uh, has to be sorted out. I think that's where you start. It may be a little bit by committee, um, but Kenny Jansen still is out there. And I think I think the idea is to, to let your your players that are free agents, if you can't come to an agreement early, uh, you let them see what they can do. And knowing that they love it here, I mean, Kenley's got a house here. Kenley's got his family here. So, you know, this is probably where he wants to be in the right situation. Uh, you know, situation being a few different things. So I think they they let him go. But he's not. He doesn't have another uniform he's wearing. So there's a chance he comes back. 
And then you still got Trine in there. I think the combination was excellent last year. And you've got others, too. They've got other pitchers that they kind of worked their way into it. The closer role is so unique because it's not made for everybody, but almost every closer, almost every time, it's a, uh, it's a choice made out of, in some cases, desperation. And it's a, a choice made out of, okay, how are we going to do this? I mean, look at the history of closers. Not everybody was drafted to be a closer. Kenley certainly was. It was signed as a international free agent to be a catcher. On and on, Gagne was was a starter. You know, mm-hmm. on, Eckersley a starter. You know, you look at it, and so it's it's a position that, as you know, your players, you can put the right the right player in that role. Uh, it's almost always out of out of out of need that that something like that develops. Sometimes for the player, because you're not going to be able to start games. And sometimes for the team, because, hey, we, we, not, we need to put someone in that spot. Closers are, are developed most of the time once their career has begun. It, it's rare that somebody gets drafted. Maybe Houston Street 100 years ago was drafted for that type of plan, but it doesn't happen very often. Uh, Ned, one, we, we know that the Jays are still in the market for bullpen arms. Uh, I don't want you to do Ross Atkins' work for him, but... That we we've heard that the Jays have quote unquote again in air quotes some interest in in Kenley. Could Kenley close for the Jays? Kenley can still close. I know that. And um, you know closers are expected to be perfect. Uh, they're never perfect. Uh, you look at his really his second. He had a couple a couple bad games middle of the season as I recall, and after that was was excellent and. It takes a special – you've got to have that, that fortitude to do it. Uh, he can sell close. Can he, can he get you 45-50? Probably not. But can he get you 25-30? Yeah, and help somebody else get 25 or so? Absolutely. Because you've also got to have that settling, settling influence sitting in that pen as the game starts to get closer to what are we doing in the 7th, 8th, and ninth. So um, I have a, I'd have a lot of faith in him. He – he developed, he and I, this is a long time ago now, we, we debated, first of all, we debated putting him, in, I didn't debate putting him on the mound. He debated going to the mound. And every once in a while, he will get a, get a chance to hit in the National League and get a hit and send me a text, see, I told you I could hit. You know, I mean, things have worked out pretty good for him, though, on the mound. But the slider, the slider was a pitch that, that he really, he had at the beginning of his closing career a relief pitching career, but never really wanted to use it. But now he now he starts to use it. So he's got a couple more weapons too that he's used sparingly that he can still continue to use and continue to to put into his pitching approach more so than ever. And I still think he can close. I think he can close. I think what's holding him up right now is might be losing, uh, leaving L.A. where he's been his whole career. I think that could be part of his his decision making and seeing. You know, let me let me run the best offer I can get from the Dodgers versus the best offer I can get elsewhere and see if it's worth me packing everybody up and moving. Um, but he does he does want to close and he wants to. He's looking for a couple year deal, probably more than one, certainly. So. I think those dynamics are still in play. 
Ned, let me ask you something. While you were talking, I was thinking Jordan Romano here had a pretty good season closing for the Blue Jays. Would Kenley Jansen come here being a setup guy? You know, I think the way the game is today, again, I'm going to go back to one of our first topics today. Do you have too much? We've got too many guys that can close. You know, have you ever been in a locker room and a manager says, "Well, we got too many guys that can close." You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna find that. Um, there's very few closers today that close every opportunity, and I think teams that are built for pitching late, having people that can pitch the ninth inning, uh, the more you have of that, the better you're gonna be. I, I just I just always have felt that way. And yeah, you may have. Well, I want to close, you know, on all that, you know, the, the, the players approach to it. But I think what Dave Roberts has done in L.A. so magnificently is you never hear a player complaining about a role here, even though guys don't play as much as they, they may have liked to play, because cause he preaches about, hey, this is a long year. We're going we're gonna to stretch it out a little bit. We're going to play an extra month than everybody else, and they have for – for nine straight years, they played an extra month. They played a year and a half more than pretty much any other team, season and a half more. So I think in the right dynamic where you explain it, um, I think it works. I I would always think it works. If you have only one pitcher that can pitch the ninth inning, I think you've got trouble. I don't think you can. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're going to make it. Now, so, what are you? you know, not a guy can pitch the seventh. Some can pitch the eighth. Not everybody can pitch the ninth. Right. What uh, yeah. what do you, what did you look for early in these grapefruit league games or or cactus league games? Like you're 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 watching these games. What are you what are you looking for? What what do you what what do you want to see catch your eye? Well, I want to see the young players. I want to see how they handle the game. You know, you've got if you've got a veteran on the mound, you know they're not at a hundred percent. They're you know they're trying to get loose. They're trying to get their command. They're trying to get their feel back. All those things. How do your young players play, and and how does every matchup look? I would really, really take a take a spring training game and divide it up into a hundred pieces, matchups, different situations. Um, as you get deeper into the camp, how does your young players, players you may be calling on this year, and I can make the team out of the camp perhaps, but you know how do they do against somebody that now? is in their last start, is in their last start before they're going to start a season. How do they handle that situation? How do they play the defense? You know, the, the strike zones typically don't change much once the season starts. So how does a hitter approach? Uh, does the hitter understand the strike zone? Does the hitter understand the pace? Does the hitter or the pitcher, as you get to the 20, late 20s of March, and this year the early, early days of April, the pressure starts to be on. You're not talking about the championship or winning the Grapefruit League or the Cactus League, but you're starting to see if you can make a big league team or stay with a big league team. How do they play when that sense of pressure starts to go do it? You see it all the time. You see players with great early camps, and then as it gets closer, you really see a, a, a defining line whether or not you think that they can handle the pressure of doing it. They tell you. They, they tell you how they play. So that's what I look for. I just look for for different matchups and how people do it. Your veterans, I look for where they at with their pitches, where they at with their conditioning. Um, you know, it's it's going to sound funny, but you know, it's it, it's rare that a position player plays nine innings in spring, except for maybe one game, maybe two. 
But when you think about playing a game of baseball and, and being out in the field for that amount of time, that's a long time. And so you, you do have to condition yourself to get it. But veterans, you know, I, I don't take much. Uh, I don't study too much. I, I, you know, you, you kind of know what you're looking for, and you, you, they know what they're going to do and how they're going to pace it. For me, it's really an interesting study for the young players. And the major league coaching staff, they understand it too. And I tell young players, you know, you have – this is your chance to make an impression. Are you, gonna, are you going to make the team out of the camp? We don't know. There's a chance that you have no chance to make the team out of the camp. But as we get into a season, in this case, Dave Roberts and his coaching staff are not going to AAA or AA to watch you play again. This is your chance to play in front of the big league staff. Because whenever you do have an injury and you go through, okay, who's available? It, I guarantee it comes up every meeting. Hey, what about so-and-so? He was really good in camp. Good composure, got there early, stayed late, took extra work. Uh, had a curiosity for the game, uh, appetite to succeed. That's a lot of, of what lingers after after you break camp, and that's, that makes a big difference. They have a chance to set an example and, and give an example of who they are to the Major League staff. And if they've left a great impression, their name's going to continually come up ahead of somebody that, that the impression wasn't the same. Ned, really that's good of you to stuff. join Whenever us today. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, I was just going to say. Uh, no, I was just going to say. I, I wish I would have known Ned when I was trying to make a baseball team because that's that would have been good information to know. <laughs> Might have made a difference. You know, you think about it. You know, managers go by what they've seen, and coaches go by what they've seen. And so, when they break, when any team breaks camp, managers leave with a perspective on the player. Sure, they can go back and look at video how they're doing the first month of the season and this and that. But let's face it, there is so little time in the game. You know, between games and stuff, the pace is so rigorous. You know, that, you know they don't have a whole lot of time to do a whole lot more research than what they've seen with their own eyes the month of March. Ned, really good of you to do this, my friend. Thanks so much. As always, we appreciate your time. Stay safe. All right. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Be well. Take care. That's Ned Coletti, former Dodgers GM, Dodgers TV analyst. Kevin, interesting thoughts on Kenley Jansen. Uh, again, he is available. Uh, yeah, you know, we've talked about the Jays bullpen. I love that quote. Can he get you fifty saves, forty-five to fifty? No, he might only get you twenty-five to thirty, but he can help somebody else get twenty-five to thirty as well. And that's like I don't know if it will work out financially or in, or in terms of years, but and I know Yimi Garcia uh, has been signed by this team to fill some of that some of that role. But Kevin, if you add a guy like that to this bullpen. Um, you know, yeah, you, you know, you, we've talked about balance in the lineup and everything like that. But my God, if you could add a guy like Kenley Jansen to this bullpen, yeah, I, I would just wonder having a conversation with him now. If he didn't have any other options, would he come here to be a setup guy? Jordan Romano was really good. I mean, he's got fuego. He's coming right after people with 100 miles an hour. Kenley Jansen had to add another pitch to be successful last year. Would he be okay mindset-wise coming to the American League East, where it's not the easiest place to get from? He's won a World games. Series, though, Kevin. You know, I mean, on, on the road, I, I, I know, but he's not doing it in the American League He's pitched in big games. He pitches animal. in L.A. I was thinking, <laughs> I, I'm saying mindset-wise, would he be okay setting up for a while? I don't know the answer to that. You'd have to ask him. And, and I don't know, you know, it would be a test of how Charlie uses, how the staff uses the bullpen, too. Because if Kenley Jansen does, he's not coming here to be your setup guy. Kenley Jansen's coming here to be your closer or 
one of two closers. He's either 1 or 1A. Um, he's not coming here to, to be a setup guy. You're not going to pay him to be a setup guy. You're not going to give him the money you need to get him uh, to, to set up. Mm. And, yeah, it's not the most glaring thing for the Blue Jays right now by any stretch of the imagination. Nope. But, uh, you know, we know that they've at least kicked the tires on him. And uh, now that was earlier in the spring. Who knows Who knows what else is in the works right now? Um but as we said, I, I I don't think that this put it this way. I don't think that the Jays' final roster is all in camp right now. Like I'll just I'll just say that I think there will be one or two ads to this team. Uh, Kevin, we sent you out yeah. with some uh, some homework uh, yesterday. <laughs> Barker's in Florida. We're giving him an assignment every day, uh, and and one was kind of tough. And I apologize for that. Finding out who Vladdy would play for for the World Baseball Classic in the World. Baseball I found Classic. the answer to that. Oh, you did? Well, that would be good because uh, we know that he's, you know, he is a Canadian citizen, or he he is was born in Canada. We also know that he grew up in the Dominican Republic. Uh, so, Kevin, World Baseball Classic, who does Vladdy suit up for? Now, I'm on the messenger, so don't kill the messenger. I, I, I talked to sources, and my sources said that, yes, he, he was born in Canada, but he did grow up in the Dominican Republic, and if push came to shove, that would, that would be the place he would play. You can't much blame him for that. Wow. You know, he's got his, most no. of his friends, most of the people he idolized are in the Dominican Republic, and, and that would be the team he would play for. So there, there you, go. you go. There you go. Well, that's a, that's a good answer. So, I mean, I don't even have to worry about the uh, – I don't even have to worry about the, 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 the second one because that one was uh, – you know, was relatively – I should get an A-plus today. Well, I'm giving you an A-plus for that one. I'm absolutely, uh, I'm absolutely giving you an A-plus for that one. Uh, I'm going to send you out with one more assignment before you go, Kevin Barker, and that is on Monday when we talk, you're going to give me an idea of the middle of the bullpen. Okay? Who's got who's 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 leading who's leading in the jobs for the the setup spot and thing like that? How about that? I, I can do that. I'm going to I'm going to leave you with this. I just saw Kevin Biggio take a ball and short hop the left okay, center Park, field wall. We got to run. Thanks, man. Blair and Barker will be back on Monday, post-game Sunday. Take care.